Hello, Cathedral family. Back in 1993, three local surfers headed out into the ocean and caught some monster waves. A word of this got around and surfers started showing up from all around the world to check it out. Today, men and women compete for $25,000 in what is kind of like the Super Bowl of surfing called Mavericks. I mean, the best of the best, they paddle that into the ocean with great expectation, anticipating the ride of their life. Can you imagine what it's like to be rushing down on a 50-foot wall of water? Well, the youngest person ever to surf Mavericks is a guy by the name of Luca Padua out of Half Moon Bay. He started surfing when he was eight. He didn't start on the big waves. He started on the small waves, but he continued to raise his aim and raise his aim until eventually he's, well, he's surfing Maverick-type big waves. And he says about that experience, he says this, you may see pictures or you may hear stories, but no matter what you see or what you hear, you'll never understand it unless you're out there and you feel the raw power and energy. And then he says this, there's nothing else like it. And for the next few moments, here's what I want you to think about. Instead of watching life go by while we're standing on the beach, what if we grab our boards and head out into the waters of 2019 with great expectation. Jesus once put it this way. He said, you will have what your faith expects. And when you are riding the wave that God creates, there's nothing else like it. Surf's up, Cathedral. It's a year of increase. Here we go. Amen. Surf's up, Cathedral of Faith. Surf's up. Say that with me. Surf's up. Can you help me out? Let's get interactive. Surf's up. Now, I've got three things to say. First of all, that water is freezing. <laughs> Took me all week to thaw out. And the second thing is this. If you don't believe in miracles, you just saw one. Somehow I got up on that board. Amen. Somehow first try. 
rode it right into the beach, walked off under the sand, dropped the mic, and just kept going, right? <laughs> there we go. But the most important thing I want to talk to you about for a few moments is this, that this really is the year to, well, surf's up, it's time to raise your aim, to move into this year with great expectation and allow God to fill up your heart with hope again, because hope is so essential. They say that you can go about 40 days without food, about three days without water, but hope Hope is a little bit more like oxygen, even more than food or more than water. Hope is like oxygen for your soul. And when you stop breathing, one writer puts it this way. He says, keep hoping and you keep living. Stop hoping and you die inside. And if this weekend you feel like you've died inside, You've come to the right place because God is ready to meet you in this moment and breathe hope back into your heart. In fact, I want to read a scripture that's our prayer, my prayer for you, my prayer for all of us. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would, and let's read this scripture out loud together. Fill this place with the word of God. It says this, everyone say it with me. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's give God praise for his word. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, before you're seated, look at somebody and tell them, surf's up, amen, surf's up. And this is the weekend to raise your aim. Last week, we talked about make sure you got fuel in the tank. This week, I want to talk to you about raising your aim. If you want to keep hope alive. My dad left a great legacy here at Cathedral of Faith, and one of the things he left us was his legacy language. There are phrases that are a part of our church community. See if you recognize any of them. If you know the second half of the phrase, I'll say the first part and then help me out with the second part. Here's one. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. You got that one. How about this one? Uh, who can say it's a bad day until all the days have been added up? Here's another one. Frustrations are not final. Mistakes are not fatal. And delays are not denials. Now you're rolling. Now here's one more. See if you know this one. My dad used to tell me, I'd rather shoot for the stars and hit the top of a mountain than to shoot for the top of the mountain and hit a telephone post. <laughs> now that was a catchy way of saying, raise your aim. And I believe that God brought you here today so I could give you a divine nudge and tell you this is the year to raise your aim. Where is God wanting to raise your aim? Great expectations. 
I saw this one dialogue on Pinterest. It went this way. Dear girls, if a guy pauses a video game just to text you back, marry him. (laughs) But then someone else chimed in, dear girls, aim higher. (laughs) Aim higher. Where does God want you to aim higher? When it comes to your dating, when it comes to your career, when it comes to your education, where is God giving you a divine nudge to get out in the waters of 2019 and raise your aim because it surfs up. That's what happened to a a friend of mine. He's a CEO of a high-tech company, and God raised his aim when it came to generosity. That the baseline for Christian giving, you could say, is 10%, but God started to raise his aim. God had blessed him, and God started to raise his aim. And, well, he gave more, and he raised his aim, and he gave more, and he raised his aim, and he gave more. And right now, this high-tech CEO gives 50% of his income to advance the kingdom of God in the world. Can we give God praise for that kind of CEO that's setting that kind of example? But where does God want to raise your aim this weekend? Jesus once said, you will have what your faith expects. Would you say that with me? You will have what your faith expects. Raising your expectations. Let's go on this journey and allow God to raise our aim this weekend. See, when we start to shoot for the stars... That becomes the new normal for us. I'm asking you to consider having a new normal for your life. Last weekend, after church, I went out to watch my eight-year-old grandson play football. It was his very first game, first game of the season. He started at quarterback. Do you know what team he plays for? He plays for the Rams. Can you believe that? Right? Very first series, he's playing quarterback, drives the team down the field, drops back, throws a touchdown pass. Hello! That's my grandson. You can see me on the sidelines. I got all excited right over here. And my grandson, he's... We've had such a great time together. When he was just, he's eight now, but when he was just a little guy, we went to dinner one time, and I ordered a house salad because I was trying to drop some weight, aim a little higher when it comes to my health. And so I order a house salad, and the waiter brings out my order, and my grandson says, where's the house? And he began to explain to the waiter how they could have taken lettuce and made a house out of it. And I watched him do this, and I thought, there it is. A creative imagination. You know, it shows up when we're young. All of us have it. But then as we get older, somehow we stop shooting for the stars. There was a a sociologist who wanted to find out when that happens and why it happens. And so he went to different elementary schools and he asked the first graders, he said, how many in here are creative artists? And everybody raised their hand. 
Then he went to the third grade class and he asked them, how many of you are creative artists? And half of the class raised their hand. Then he went to the sixth grade class and he said, how many of you are creative artists? And one or two raised their hand. Now he did this. He went from elementary school to elementary school to elementary school. And he saw that the results were just about the same. And after studying this, this was the conclusion he came to. He said, from the cradle to the grave, there is a suppression of creative genius. And the pressure is on to be normal. But what if God has created you to be more than normal? What if God has created you to be more than average? What if God has created you to be more than mediocre? When we begin to raise our, name and, uh, raise our aim and establish a new normal, see, if we settle for normal, I wonder if we would have ever ended up with an iPhone. I was reading that when they were designing the iPhone, that Steve Jobs looked at the face of the iPhone and he said, I don't like plastic, it looks cheap. We need to find glass. The problem was a glass like that didn't exist. It wasn't anywhere. Now the normal thing to do would have been to settle for plastic and say, let's get this phone into production, put a plastic face on it. But instead he met with the CEO of a glass company and told him what he wanted. And the CEO said, we don't have any glass like that either. But way back in the 60s, we had this idea. This idea for something called Gorilla Glass. Now, we never put it into production, so it doesn't exist. And Steve Jobs says, let's make it exist. I'll take one million units. See, there's something about raising your aim. Instead of going through life as normal, what if God wants to stir up your imagination and establish a new normal in your life? That's what happened to a young man in the Bible, a young man by the name of David who faces off against a giant named Goliath. You can see a picture of them up on the screens. <laughs> I don't know if it looked like that, but it probably looked more like this next picture up here. Here is David facing off against the giant. Now that wasn't normal. David says, don't worry about this Philistine Goliath. I'll go fight him. That wasn't normal. See, the normal thing when you're facing a giant, everybody else was normal. They were afraid and they were hiding. But here comes David and he says, I'll fight the giant. And when he does, look at what the king says. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. And right, that right there is a lesson that when you begin to aim for more than just average, for more than mediocre, for more than just normal, those who are normal are going to try to pull you down. But friend, rise up. Like David did, he raised his aim and he fought that giant and took down that giant. 
And 2019 is the year to raise your aim and take down the giants in your life. Don't run for them. Don't be afraid of them. Take down those giants and establish a new normal. Amen. Surf's up. Say that with me. Surf's up, Cathedral. This is a year to raise our aim. And when we do, here's why it's so critical. See, there's a connection. There really is. Make sure you catch this. There's a connection between getting and expecting what you expect and what you get. Uh, this is Super Bowl weekend, and one of the best things about the Super Bowl is the commercials. And, well, here's one of the commercials you'll be seeing later today. Hello, folks. What floor? Oh, we're car shopping. Ah, you're going down. Way down. This floor, root canal. Oh, this is bad. This stop jury duty. Remember, innocent until proven. Well, he did it, right? We all agree he did it? OK, six hour flight, middle seat. <laughs> Who's got vitamin C? This floor, the tongue. Your body's changing. My body changed, even grandma's body. Vegan dinner party, is that even a thing? We're having beetloaf, Sergio's specialty. Why, thank you. Yay! Car shopping, off you go. No, sorry, we're getting a Hyundai. Yeah, we used Shopper Assurance. It was really easy. Hyundai, going up. Well, the Super Bowl, it's such a big part of our culture. I read that, that they're expecting 120 million Americans to watch the Super Bowl today that we spend about $80 a person on our Super Bowl parties, that on Super Bowl Sunday, we will consume over 1.4 billion pounds of wings. And that's just in my house, amen. <laughs> that we'll eat over 10 million pounds of ribs, 20 million pounds of chips, and that on Monday, antacid sales actually go up 20%, they really do. They call it Super Sick Monday. <laughs> now, it's a very big game that's a part of our culture. Many years ago, there was another big game with two universities. Notre Dame was playing USC. And they had a, Notre Dame had this legendary coach called Newt Rockney, and he came up with an idea. See, USC was undefeated, and he came up with an idea. He went into town. And he found the biggest men that he could. And he asked them if they would come out for the game. Now, these were guys who looked like they were wearing shoulder pads, even though they weren't wearing shoulder pads. That's how big they were. And he gave them a uniform. And he said, all you need to do is run on the field and stand on the sidelines. And so that's what they did. The Notre Dame team ran out on the field and they... Those big guys stood on the sidelines. They never got in the game. They just stood on the sidelines. But when the USC kids came out on the field and looked at those huge guys on the Notre Dame sidelines, it got in their heads. And they lost the game in here. See, they hadn't lost a game all year, but they lost that game because their expectations started to shift. And expectations are powerful. 
Often in life, we don't get what we deserve. We get what we expect. And that's why leaders like the founder of Walmart, he puts it this way. He says, high expectations are the key to everything. How are your expectations for this year? There is a a classic example in the Bible of this. That Moses is on the edge of the promised land with the people of Israel, and he sends out 12 spies to go and check out the land. They go check out the land, and then they come back. Two of the spies, they say this about the land. We should go up and take the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Would you read that last part with me? We can certainly do it. Say it again. We can certainly do it. But 10 of the spies, they come back from the land and they say this. We can't go up. Say that with me. We can't go up against them. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there next to them. We felt like grasshoppers. Those guys on the other sideline. You know, they're they're not wearing shoulder pads, but they look like it. We can't go up against them. Now watch this. Everybody lock in because this is so very important. I don't want you to miss it. All the spies, they saw the same thing. They all saw the blessings of the land. They all saw the challenges of the land. And they all said the truth about the land. The two spies, though, they mixed the truth with faith and with hope and said, we can. The ten spies, they mixed the truth with no faith and no hope. We can't. These spies had one expectation, these spies had another expectation, and here's what we learn in the Bible. They both got what they expected. The two spies expected that they would take possession of the land, and one day they did. The ten spies expected that they wouldn't take possession of the land, and they never did. They both got what they expected. So here's the question I want to ask you. If you were in that story, which group would you have been a part of? The we can group or the we can't group? Today, which group are you a part of? The we can group or the we can't group? See, expectations matter. And that's why I want to encourage you. God has land for you to take possession of. God has promises for you to take possession of. God has some great things ahead for you in 2019. Be part of the We Can group. We can certainly do it. All God's people said, amen. We can. Say that with me. We can. See, it's raising our aim. Surf's up. And we're raising our aim 
and having great expectations because expectations matter. You know, faith and hope connected to truth. And this is what we're really doing when it talks about shooting for stars. We're really looking to see more heaven come to earth. I, I saw this sign out in front of a church, and the sign said, What is hell like? Come and hear our preacher. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And then I thought, I resemble that remark. Amen. <laughs> and so, you know, we know what hell is like. We could spend all day, and you could tell me, yeah, I know what hell on earth is like. But what is heaven like? What if you saw more heaven on earth for you? Jesus gave us a prayer, and the prayer really is about raising your aim. Think about this prayer. He said, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And then I want you to say the next part of the prayer with me, everybody. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can we say that one more time? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see how powerful that prayer is? Jesus is raising our aim. Jesus, when he came to this world, he came to get us into heaven. And one day we're going to be with him forever and forever. Can we say amen to that? Amen. And if you're looking forward to that day, let's give God praise. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to that day. But in this prayer, Jesus teaches us he didn't just come to get us into heaven. He came to get more of heaven into us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth. Say that with me. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus raises our aim. He gives us a prayer and then he gives us a picture. He says, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and the birds come and make nests in its branches. He said, heaven is like a seed that's planted. And it's so small at first, but then it grows and it expands and it increases. What would it look like for you to raise your aim and to have more of heaven right here on earth? What would that mean for you? What would it look like to have more heaven in your home? Or more heaven in your heart. Or more heaven where you work. Or more heaven in your neighborhood. Jesus gives us a prayer and a picture because he wants to raise our aim and increase our expectations. And to believe him for more heaven right here on earth. That's what the whole hashtag San Jose is all about. We believe that God loves our city. Can somebody say amen? amen? God cares about our city. God loves our city. And whether we live in San Jose or Milpitas or Morgan Hill or Gilroy, we believe that God cares about our city. And hashtag San Jose is all about planting a seed for more of heaven right here in San Jose. That the kingdom of heaven would invade our city in such a way it would expand and grow. Can you see it? Can you sense it? 
what would it look like this year as a church to raise our aim? A couple weeks ago, I, I heard something that just, just leveled me. The director of our, our Reaching Out program, Jim Gallagher, he, he told me a story about a young lady that came to Reaching Out, and she was a mess. She had marks around her wrists and around her ankles where she had been shackled. She was shackled inside a container. She was a sex slave to make money for her masters. And somehow she escaped that container, living in a container. She escaped that container and she made her way to the church and she told Jim, I knew if I could get to a church that I could find some safety. And I'm so glad she came to Cathedral of Faith. Can we give God praise for Cathedral of Faith being a lighthouse to our community? And God just shook me up. And boy, this year we're raising our aim. We're already doing some things that are combating human trafficking. But we're going to do even more because we believe there is no human trafficking in heaven. And God is bringing more heaven here on earth. And we believe that Jesus has come to set the captives free. Hallelujah. And as a church, we're going to raise our aim. Hallelujah. Believe God with me. See, surf's up, cathedral. Surf's up. Say that with me. Surf is up. We're raising our aim. Boy, increasing our expectations. More heaven here on earth. And as we wind things up, I believe that for some of you, the whole reason that God brought you here today was to get you out of the tent of discouragement and to help you once again to see the stars. If you're going to shoot for the stars, you got to see them. There was this maternity ward and this was before the days I heard about a maternity ward. It was before the days that were, well, before where you could go in as husbands and you're there with the wife in the room while the baby's being born. Years ago, they didn't do that. So there are these three guys that are waiting in the waiting room, waiting for news about the newborn babies. And so a doctor comes out and he tells one of the dads, he says, congratulations. He said, you are the father of twins. And the dad says, isn't that something? What a coincidence. He says, I work for the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> now, another doctor comes out and he tells the second guy, he says, you're not going to believe it. You are, well, your wife just had triplets. And the guy scratches his head and he says, man, I can't believe that. I work for a company called 3M. Now, at that point, the third dad, he heads for the door. And they said, where are you going? He says, I got to get out of here. I work for 7-Eleven. Amen. <laughs> get out of town, man. It's, he's in trouble. I want to take you back to a maternity ward where a dad is waiting in the Bible. In order to do that, I'm going to ask the tech team to 
Well, if we could get some stars in here, that would be really cool. And you read about this maternity ward in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. There's a man by the name of Abram. And Abram has received a promise from God that one day you're going to have a child. But Abraham had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And still there was no child. So now he was discouraged. All of us know what it is to get discouraged. And Abraham is discouraged. He's been waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. And yet it hasn't. And so he's inside a tent and he's discouraged and God shows up. And what does God do? God takes Abram outside the tent and says, Abram, raise your aim. Look at the stars. He puts it this way. Look up at the sky. Count the stars if you can. Then he said to him, that's how many children will be born into your family. And Abram believed the Lord. And if this weekend you came to service and you've been in the tent of discouragement and you believe that things are never going to change, you're never going to break that addiction, you're never going to control that temper, you're never going to see your kids come back to God, you're never going to see your career take off, you're in the tent of discouragement. God is in the house today. He wants to bring you out of the tent to raise your aim and to look at the stars. Because if you can look up, you can get up. And today is your day. Surf's up, Cathedral of Faith. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take a deep breath of hope today. Everybody stand with me for just a moment. I believe God is at work in this place. Close your eyes with me for, for just a moment. Lock into God. They say that you can see further in the dark. So with your eyes shut, allow God, the breath of God, to breathe on you today. God is the God of hope. Allow him to fill up your lungs, fill up your soul with hope. <sighs> Breathe in the hope of God. If you would say, hey, Ken, just being real, today when I came to church, I, I've been living in that tent of discouragement. All of us know what it is to be there. I've been living in that tent, but today is my day. I'm getting out of the tent, raising my aim, looking at the stars. If you're making that declaration today, just lift up your hand real high and say, Pastor Ken, that's me. Out of the tent today. God's bringing me out of the tent, raising my aim. Because if I can look up, then I can get up. Amen. Father, you see us today. This is where we're at. We come honest before you, and we pray, God, that you would take us out of the tent, and we would look at the stars, and we would see you, the God of hope, that you would fill our hearts with joy and peace and fill our lungs with hope today.
raise our aim with great expectations. We look this year for more heaven breaking in right here on earth for Jesus' name and Jesus' glory. All of God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God praise, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give God a shout of praise today. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow.